right, thank you, Kathy. Uh, we appreciate that. Can we give Kathy a hand? Thanks for leading our kids tonight. Appreciate that. Welcome to our Christmas Eve service. We're glad to have you here tonight. My name is Rick. If we haven't had the chance to meet, I'm one of the pastors at Mount Hope. We're glad that you're here. If you're a guest with us here today, uh, we're glad that you're here tonight as well with us. Maybe you're from a church background that's a little bit more stringent liturgical than us. And last Sunday, you said, hey, we lit the Hope Candle last Sunday in our church. Um, we're a week off uh, here at Mount Hope because tomorrow we'll light the Christ Candle on Christmas in our 10 o'clock service tomorrow. If you're going to join us here tomorrow, we'll light that fifth candle. But I think technically, Real Advent would be lighting that fifth candle tonight. Um, but we didn't uh, feel constrained by thousands of years of church tradition. Um, <laughs> going to move that till tomorrow. I don't know if um, the word Grinchy is actually a word, but I know what it meant when uh, a few weeks ago my daughter said, our house always looks Grinchy at Christmas. <laughs> I knew what she meant by that. Uh, it wasn't always like that. When we first, when Wendy and I bought our first house about 20 years ago, we were in Lowell, and I was very excited to put some lights up on the house for the first time. We, my dad always had lights on the house when we were kids, and I thought, I'm going to do this. I went out, I bought the strings of icicle lights pulled the extension ladder out from the porch, started screwing in those little hooks, because I knew I was going to do this every year. So I was going to put those in permanently right on the house. I had the icicle lights on the top. I had white lights in the trees. I turned it on, and it was a winter wonderland, or at least my idea of a winter wonderland. And it was great. And then I went to take them down, but it was cold, and it was snowing. And so I waited till early spring and mid-spring, and sometime the lights came down. And then next year, I thought, well, I'd do it again, but, you know, after Thanksgiving, you got to wait for kind of a warm day and not a snowy day. And so some of the lights went up, but not as many as past years. And eventually, a few less lights went up each year, till the point where we moved to our new house in Bill Ricker a few years ago, and no lights went up on the house, and thus my daughter's judgment of Grinchy. But this year she said, you know, our house always looks Grinchy. I said, so I'm going to put up some lights. All right, fine. No Grinchy this year. So I'll put up some lights on the house this year so that we won't look grinchy. And I, so we put up some lights, and I think it came out pretty good. How do you think? Yeah. That's not really my house. Um, that is a house in Wilmington that won the great Christmas decorating light fight a few years ago. That's my house. It came out okay. It's not going to... It's not going to win any light fights... Um, but I don't think I can be accused of being green and hairy and having a heart three sizes too small either. Lights at Christmas time, lights in the midst of the darkness. You know, Christmas lights, as we think about hope, I think are a good illustration and a good image to start with because they don't actually dispel all of the darkness, but they give you just enough light to kind of illuminate what they're on. And I think that's a not, kind of a picture of where our world is too sometimes. 
You know, I was walking down, uh, I was on Bill Rickett Common the other night, and I was walking down, the lights are there, and the beautiful lights of the common are on one side on the right, but on the left side, as I was walking down the sidewalk, there were lights, but they weren't Christmas lights, they were headlights. And they were the lights of a row of cars that was in line for the community food pantry. And it was a kind of a stark reminder that, yeah, we have these beautiful lights on one side, but we still live in a world where families have a hard time feeding their families at times. And both of those things are true at Christmas time. You can walk through Burlington Common and you walk on one side and see the beautiful Christmas lights on the trees and on the other side, you see all the buildings, one of which is the Youth and Family Services Building, which serves the, the teens and kids of the town, <clears throat> providing mental health services and, and services for addiction uh, for youth and teens in, in our community. And it's a reminder that the lights are beautiful, and there's some lights, but there's also a lot of need in the world that we still live in. And I don't think this is unlike talking about hope. Because hope is like that a little bit in the sense that it's in the world and it provides a light and yet it hasn't dispelled all of the darkness. And yet we live in the midst of a world that we often see a lot of brokenness. If you were going to bake a hope cake, you would need three ingredients. And the three ingredients are trust, anticipation, and waiting. These are the three ingredients of hope. That you have to trust in something in the past. That's a little bit what we looked back to in like where Pastor Marvin just led in communion. That you trust in something in the past. You're anticipating something to come in the future, but in the present, you're doing quite a bit of waiting. This is true in, in any kind of hope. If you think about it with kids for Christmas tomorrow, some of you, you are trusting that maybe your parents or your loved ones in the past have given you good gifts, and you're anticipating that maybe tomorrow morning they'll also be good gifts, but for tonight, it's waiting. And these are the three ingredients of hope. In fact, one of the biblical words for hope is the Hebrew word kava. And the, the image of the word kava is this. It's like a cord that's being stretched. And it's being stretched to the point, like if I gave you all rubber bands tonight, which I thought about, but then I thought better of. I could just see rubber bands flying all around this room. But if you stretch that rubber band to the point that it broke, that's the image of this word for hope. The idea that you are anticipating what's going to happen, you're waiting for it to happen, and then phew, there's a release as it happens. And this is what hope looks like. And it's what uh, hope looks like in our world, but it's also what Christian hope looks like. As we come to the, this time of year and we think about Bethlehem and we think about Christmas, Bethlehem was both the culmination of some hope, but it was also a continuation of hope for humanity. 
I mean, there was a culmination in Bethlehem in the sense of they had been waiting for God, a word from God for hundreds of years, and God had been silent. And finally, in Bethlehem, not only not does God speak a word, but he sends the word. He sends his own son. And so it was a culmination of waiting. But then it was a continuation because it didn't fix everything. Because not everything had been fixed. This is the already not yet advent that we've been talking about this month. That there are some things that we've received from God and some things that we're still waiting on God for. There's no better picture of this than the scripture that was already read about the man Simeon. And I'll just read it again. Uh, It was read earlier by Caroline. But here's what it says. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, light, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. Simeon had been waiting all his life and God had promised that he would see the Christ, the Messiah, God's Savior come before he died. And in this moment when Mary and Joseph brought the eight-day-old Jesus into the temple was the culmination of his hope, what he had been waiting for. And yet there's a continuation because even though Jesus had come into the world, there was still a waiting for God to do what God said he would do, that he would fix and repair and bring justice and mercy and set things right. And we're still in that waiting anticipation time. But Jesus came to Bethlehem and a light, like a Christmas light, came on in the midst of the darkness. In fact, it harkens back to Isaiah in chapter 9 where the prophet said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. This is the hope. It's full of a, a grounding in the past, an anticipation of the future, and a waiting in the present. Christian hope, though, is not simply a wish or mere optimism. There's a difference there, because we use this word hope, we throw it around pretty easily. Some of you, when you went to make your Christmas cards this year, you went to, the, uh, you went to a website, maybe you went to Shutterfly, and you haven't been on Shutterfly since last year's Christmas cards. And here's what you did when you were going to click on that website. You were hoping that your username and password were going to autofill because you had no clue what that was. And sometimes that's what we think hope is. Just like I, it would be really nice if this happened. We think we, it's just kind of a wish. It's something that would be nice if it worked out for us. Or we think of it like an optimism, like we just look on the bright side. 
This would be the best case scenario if things worked out this way. Maybe you're optimistic about 2023. You're going to lose some weight. You're going to get that job. You're going to have that promotion. You're going to start this, you know, that new program. And you're optimistic about it. But optimism has so many things that are out of your control. You can't, I mean, for all those things in 20, maybe they'll happen. I hope they do if that's what you want to happen. But there's a lot of things that are out of your control that may keep them from happening. Christian hope is not simply a wish. Christian hope is not simply an optimism that I hope things kind of work out. Christian hope is a grounding in what God has done in the past and a sure anticipation of what he will do in the future. Hebrews chapter 6 says, we have this anchor. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor as the soul. And that's a hope. We have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. I've never seen the movie Hope Floats, so I hope I'm not referencing an absolutely horrible movie. But the name Hope Floats is really opposite. Actually, according to the Bible, hope sinks. According to the Bible, hope sinks. Hope is an anchor for your life. It keeps you safe amidst the storms. It keeps you from being, you know, pulled one way or the other and anchors your life. Hope is the fuel that followers of Jesus run on. Hope is the fuel that followers of Jesus run on. There's an expression I've learned about recently that I guess is associated with uh, English uh, Premier League soccer or football, whichever you call it. You kick the ball with your feet, you know what I mean? And oftentimes when they're cheering for their team or they want their team to win, maybe it's they want their team to, to move up from the championship league to the premier league or they're hoping their team will avoid relegation and be knocked down and they are, you know, some things have to work out for them and, and maybe they have to score a number of goals or another team has to score a number of goals and they could work out or they might not and this expression kind of was spawned And that is, it's the hope that kills you. That we want it to work out, and we hope it works out, but when it doesn't, if we just hadn't even hoped, it wouldn't have bothered us so much. It's the hope that kills you. It's a little bit like when I was watching the Patriots-Viking game a couple weeks ago. And going into that game, I thought the Patriots are going to lose and probably lose spectacularly. Only they were leading at the end of the first quarter. They were tied at the half. They were leading at the end of the third quarter. And I thought, we might pull this out. And then when they lost in the fourth quarter, I was so emotionally invested and disappointed that if I just hadn't hoped that they would win, I would have saved myself. And that's what's behind this phrase. It's the hope that kills us. Some of you kids are doing that already. You're doing that tonight going, oh, I probably won't get that present tomorrow. Because then if you get it, you're surprised. And if you don't, you're not disappointed. But that is not Christian hope. We don't hedge our bets against disappointment. Christian hope is a sure hope that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. That based on what God did in the past based on Bethlehem and the cross and Jesus, that he will also do 
what he said he's going to do in the future, that passage of Revelation that was read at the beginning of this, read at the beginning of this service, that God is going to bring about a healing in the world, and God is bring, gathering a people to himself through faith in Jesus Christ that are going to be a people for himself. But while we're patiently waiting in the present, Christian hope pulls on the historical past and points to the sure future. And this is the sure hope that we have. That you, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever the difficulty is, and you come, I recognize on a night like this, not everybody is excited and happy, but maybe you dragged yourself to this service because you needed to hear that there is a God who is for you, that there is a hope that you can hang on to, that there is a hope that God has for you. And through Jesus Christ, that this hope can not only keep you, (laughs) but it can take you to the place where God has created for you. See, it's not the hope that kills you. It's actually the hope that keeps you. It keeps you in a, able to live a life of righteousness before God because why else would you do the right thing when it's costly or hard other than the hope that you have in the future for a God that will reward it? It keeps you from despair because why else might you not give up when tragedy comes into your life because there's a hope. There's a hope that God has brought into the world. And maybe... And maybe this hope will be like Christmas lights, that it'll also be contagious. There's a house on my street. One of my neighbors is decorated much better than mine. And it's, it looks really cool. He outlined his roof and his house and lights, and it kind of looks like a gingerbread house. And he's got these lit up wreaths on his, on his fence, and, and it looks really nice. And so I was out walking one day, and I, I saw my neighbor out, and I said, hey, your, your house, I love the way your house looks at night. I w- take walks at night, and your house looks great. And, and she said to me, she said, well, we were driving down the street one night, and our daughter saw your house with lights on it, and she begged her dad to put lights on our house. And so we had to put, so Mike had to go and put lights on the house. <laughs> And I thought, well, maybe hope is a little like that. And maybe someone in your life will see a hope that you have, a sure hope, a hope that doesn't shake with the circumstances and the times around us, a hope that carries you through difficult times and keeps you in the good times. And it could be that they would look to you and say, tell me about this hope. Tell me about a hope that you have in your life, a hope that fills you and keeps you. That's the kind of Christian hope that we hang on to. Let me close with my favorite verse in Scripture about hope. It's, Matthew, it's Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope, that you may have an abundance of it. That's my prayer for you, Mount Hope. Let me pray for you before we sing this final song and then move to our candlelighting. Lord, I thank you for each and every person in this room. I know we've come from different places tonight. I know there's hurt and there's pain and there's loss and there's, there's celebration and there's anticipation 
There's thankfulness, there's gratitude, there's love. There's all kinds of things in our hearts tonight, Lord. But Lord, would you above all fill our hearts with hope? Would you above all help us to grasp and understand what the true hope is that we've seen God come to earth and take on human flesh, that you became one of us, that you came close, that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us. Lord, help us to understand how much this tells us of your love for us and always hang on to it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to